This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Cardiology and Heart Surgery Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Kimberly Bell, Vice President of Operations for Advent Health Medical Group Specialty Practices, overseeing cardiology, cardiothoracic surgery, advanced lung disease, gastrointestinal services, colorectal surgery, general surgery, and more. Kimberly, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Certainly. Uh, I've actually been in healthcare, I would say, uh, most of my life. Uh, when I was four, uh, my mother was killed in a uh, hit and run accident. And um, I grew up just wanting to help others, just like the people who helped her. Uh, so at 16, I volunteered to be an EMT on the rescue squad in my hometown of Richmond, Virginia. Ended up becoming a paramedic uh, two years later and a firefighter. And then went on to nursing school um, and uh, worked in the trauma room. I actually got to work with nurses who t- took care of my mom uh, when she passed away, which was probably one of the, the best moments of my career. And I specialized in trauma and then went to cardiology, open heart surgery, uh, transplant surgery, and uh, have been in the Army for a little while with field uh, surgical hospitals and now obviously running uh, specialty practices uh, coming over from strategy a year ago into the medical group. Wow. That's such a fascinating career path. And, and you know, what an excellent um, ambition to be in healthcare from such a young age, obviously not, you know, ideal circumstances around that, but essentially looking at that goal and being so committed and passionate, you know, for almost your whole life um, is just such an inspiring story. Yeah. I, I tell people that I don't have to do what I do. I get to do what I do. I, I really wake up every morning uh, thinking about the providers that I work with, the teams, right, the patients. How how can we make it better for someone? Because it is uh, someone's mother, someone's father, someone's brother, sister, cousin, best friend uh, that we are honored to take care of. And so always keeping that in front of you is important to me. Absolutely. I, I love that perspective. And, you know, given that in your vantage point with what you're doing with Advent Health Medical Group, what do you see as some of the biggest issues that you're following Healthcare Day? What's really influencing um, the direction of the group? So it's important, again, to keep that consumer focus, right? That person in front of us. And the biggest challenge I think that we're facing is that we've outsourced many of those items that are consumer focused, right? So we see you in the practices or we see you in the hospital and then we send you to, you know, a CVS, a Walgreens, a Walmart, whatever, to pick up your prescription. You have to go somewhere to get the uh, durable medical equipment, right? We, we have given away so much of those things trying to focus, right, and to be efficient in our operations, but we have forgotten that having those distribution lines and really being that, all things to all people to make it easy on the person who's ill, I think is probably our biggest challenge. And with COVID, obviously, we we have really turned that corner with virtual care, which we probably should have done five years ago, but it, it really changed the tide. And now really thinking, how do we keep that person, A, out of the hospital, right? So we did a lot of home monitoring during COVID. Um, how do we make it easy for them So how do we make sure their meds are there, maybe even in the practice, right? If we dispense their medications after their visit, you know, they're at least 20 times more likely to be compliant because many of them never even go and pick up their medications, right? Their prescriptions. So it's really important 
I think that we take back some of the things we've outsourced and make it easy for that consumer. Absolutely. I think that's such an interesting point, and especially in looking at what is best for the patient and what makes the experience best for them, um, you know, is something that really takes a lot of time and effort to innovate in that way. When you think about how the patient moves through healthcare, what has been most helpful for you in terms of um, understanding what their needs are and what can make life easy for them? I think it's actually having almost non-healthcare people ask them, what do you need? And I know we have worked on having navigators um, within our teams, right? So when you interact with us on the app or through our website, you know, they're not necessarily physicians or nurses that do the best job listening and asking what you need, right? Because sometimes we think we know what you need (laughs) medically. Uh, Having these navigators who really just talk to the person and get to really what is it they need. Uh, do they, you know, and you think about social determinants, right, of healthcare. Do they have enough food, right? Do they know how to actually take their medicines? Or is their culture something that's not going to be in alignment with their health? Um, what are those things that we really should be asking that we can impact that person? Are they really, do they have transportation to even go get the things we ask them? Or do they have the money? to do this? Um, are they the caregiver and they themselves are sick? Um, many times we try to diagnose their specific problem as a healthcare worker, where I think people who are non-healthcare, uh, non-clinical, let's say, uh, they ask better questions and they listen more and really get to the root of the problem. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it is definitely an important point for anybody leading a healthcare organization to think about. And, you know, I'm wondering too, I know you oversee so many different specialty and super specialty groups, but when you're thinking about cardiology and heart surgery in particular, how are you seeing the field change? Well, clearly, uh, as it's been for the last 10 years, you know, everything that is, was open is going minimally invasive. Um, but I think that that's old news, right? We, we know about those minimally invasive procedures. Where I think we're going is more precision medicine. Uh, so we have a large project uh, with genomics, which is near and dear to my heart. You know, I'd like to stop the first heart attack before it ever happens. And we can do that, right? We can, we can look at that genome and we can predict and see who might be at risk. And so if you think about that and you extrapolate to, you know, your descendants, right? You know, is it that we put a 10-year-old on a statin, right, to prevent that first heart attack? You know, my goal is to eradicate heart disease where we can. And to do that, we have to move into prevention in a way that is very different than we've, we've done in the past. We have to use AI. We have to use genomics to determine, you know, is this medicine, are you someone who is a non-responder, right? Many are non-responders to Plavix, if you think about it, but we prescribe it to everyone. Um, we have to get better and smarter at how we're doing it to prevent that first illness. And then obviously we will continue to work on technologies that are smaller, right? Less recovery time, less sedation, less pain medication, even pain medications, right? We know many people don't respond to opioids, um, but we never test them ahead of time before surgery. We just give them the same medicine afterward. Uh, I think, you know, uh, George Washington University, they did a study and they reduced their use of opioids by 50% 
in patients uh, with pain medications because they just were non-responders. And so you have to use alternative methods. And so even for open heart surgery, if you can imagine, you know, doing surgery with a local anesthetic, right, versus using the medications and long-acting agents, um, moving into that realm, I think is where we're going to go next. That's so interesting to hear about in that future that you're describing in terms of a more targeted um, patient care and more precision medicine, the genomics, you know, is really fascinating to think about. And it sounds like, you know, there's a lot of room for innovation and opportunity. When you think about um, what it takes to get there, you know, how, how are you um, bringing the world closer, I guess, to, to that reality? What will it take? Is it just a matter of developing the technology and then getting people on board? Or how, how do you really see that developing? Yeah, so the technology is there. Um, I think as healthcare systems look at it, you have to partner with the uh, companies that have those technologies. So for surgery, uh, there is a company that, you know, think about wearables, right? Patients tell us their activity status before surgery. We ask them, how far do you walk a day? Do you exercise? And everyone says yes. How many times a week? Oh, three times a week, definitely for an hour, right? So there's actually a company that does the genomic testing as well as wearables three weeks before surgery that actually give us a baseline of how active you actually are uh, before surgery. And so we combine that with if you respond to medication or not, and we know the truth about your activity status, we can make a better plan post-recovery. Got it. That's so so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So partnering, particularly with large uh, companies that do this genetic testing and um, you know, it's not something, you know, going on your own would be really uh, difficult and expensive, right? When there are so many great companies, it's just, you know, getting a good consultant and figuring out which partner is the best for you and which aspects you want to go into. Obviously, cancer is a big utilizer, right, of testing. And if you think about BRCA1, BRCA2 gene, um, the cardiovascular is wide vascular same thing, a thoracic, you think about abdominal aneurysms and, and things like that. Um, when you're talking major surgeries, you know, we need to know <laughs> what you're like, what you're really like before we do surgery. If you think about everyone's driver's license, how many people actually tell the truth? What if right. they weighed you at the DMV and measured your height? Absolutely. It'd that be a completely different <laughs> outcome, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, well, perfect. That that's you know sounds fantastic, and it really makes a lot of sense on my end. I think you know we've been talking a lot about some different um, exciting opportunities, innovations. But when you look at the field in particular, what are you most excited about for the future? Uh, definitely, again, um, eliminating the disease. I think we have it within our reach. Uh, many of these diseases. Uh, secondarily, I'm extremely excited about AI. I think we don't utilize it enough in healthcare. It's been proven to be accurate, sometimes better than the providers, um, at looking at big data, right, and coming up with what might this be. Um, and as well as I'm, I'm really looking forward to us looking at mental health and social determinants as an aspect of healthcare is a much stronger presence than we ever have to look at the whole patient to see how they will do as an outcome, but definitely eliminating the disease, making it more precise in what we do to you and to then deal with the whole person, uh, not just their, their body, right? But everything that goes around it, 
I think uh, we, we haven't done enough and it needs to be an integral part of your healthcare. Absolutely. Kimberly, that sounds amazing. And thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and uh, I look forward to talking with you as well.